0: So, welcome back for our 17th and final week of learning to lean, which really is kind of a silly thing to say, because this is a lifetime journey. Y'all realize that, right? When did you figure that out? Was it the first week, the second week, the middle, last week? You know, that this is something that we're going to be learning as long as we're on this earth, as long as we're walking on this side of eternity, we're going to be learning to lean, because life continues to bring us new circumstances that require us to use, thankfully, muscles we may have exercised in the past if you've been doing any kind of journey with God for any amount of time, that the muscles that you've learned over the years and the faith steps that you've taken, they will serve you well in this journey of learning to lean. Um, it's just... is complicated, isn't it? But There's a lot on the inside of us um, that resist that that leaning stance that we all want to learn and so um one of the things that really helps my resistance is the promises of god this may be the best of the best of all things that we have besides jesus himself obviously but um but the promises are so precious y'all they're so precious What a way to live as a person that lives by the promise of God because God is a promise maker, and he is a promise keeper. And that is really, really, really good news. When everything else in your life is uncertain, when everything else is dark, when nothing is reliable, we still have that. And you know what? That's enough. So let's talk about leaning on the promises today. Um, We're going to look at all of God's promises just as a, really, I feel like, you know, this is how I do, y'all. But I think if we will look at them as a relational connecting point with the Lord, it will kind of change up your way of approaching a promise. Um, Because I believe that God gives us promises, first of all, to show us who he is. He's a loving father that gives good gifts to his children, who has every spiritual blessing as we've studied, as we looked at the book of Ephesians for several weeks. All the spiritual blessings are ours in Christ. That's a promise. There are so many promises in that first <laughs> chapter of Ephesians that we looked at all that rich bread, that banquet of the riches that are ours in Christ. And, and the whole Bible, in fact, I've heard it said that there are 77,000 Promises in the Bible. Seventy-seven thousand, and I think the reason you can do that is because, as the Bible reveals the nature and character of God, let's just take a name of God for example. Let's say uh, the first name of God that I remember being named in the Bible, and there may be one before. I'm just this is off the top of my head right here, spontaneous, but is when Abraham uh, went to take Isaac to the mount. For the sacrifice, and the Lord provided the lamb. And Abraham said, He called this place and He called God um, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So that is something that not only is a principle that's true about God, but it's a promise. It's a promise that that's who God will be for us. So if you take every verse and use it that way about that's who God is, that's who God was in the scriptures, and that's who he will be for me because that's who he is, that's a promise. And it also shows us how he relates to us because God is so stinking relational, and he's so after relationship with us uh, this is a way that we can really uh, connect with the Lord is through his promises and so um, I think as we look at Paul and his life and his goal to know God more deeply more progressively more intimately you'll see that I believe he was taking some promises and principles to the bank in prayer and that's we see reflected in his pen as he's writing to the to the um to the believers in the early church and obviously to us who are reading his letters now. That he is just, you know, as he studied the old testament scriptures, he's just taking those and letting the Holy Spirit apply those to his particular circumstances or the particular circumstances that his people are going through and he's just turning it into a prayer in his in his writing. And that's what we can do as well. We can lean on his promises. And I wanted to um use uh, a specific passage from Paul that talks about promises and about maybe some of the reasons why we may be reluctant to extend as much faith as we really should be able to extend on the promises of God. And we're going to look at it here in 2 Corinthians one fifteen through 22, and this is the um, ESV version. It says, Paul writing to the Corinthian church and to all the churches, they believe, again, this is another letter to be circulated throughout the uh, churches in that region. It says, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. I was, was I vacillating um, when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in, in but in Him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So Paul is talking to them about promises. And what the context of this, I gave you that whole big contest about yes, yes, no, no, this was my travel plan. He's out on one of his missionary journeys. And when he was with them, he thought, hey, what would be great while I'm in the region is just to, when I go to Macedonia to come on back by here, maybe I could spend the winter with you. And we can fellowship some more and talk about Jesus some more. And, um, you know, I know some of you have studied this book and you know that that was a um, painful There was some painful stuff that he had to deal with with them. And we could go into a very long, lengthy thing about Paul's travels. But basically what happened was the Holy Spirit gave him a left turn. It was well that it was in his heart to come back by, but he got a change of plans from the Holy Spirit. Circumstances changed. Things changed. Paul's plans changed. And he's saying, I am not... Doing, I did not make my plans lightly, but what had happened is there were those in the Corinthian church that felt like Paul broke trust with him, and why was that? Because they had trust issues, y'all. We have trust issues. We're like them. We have trust issues. Why do we have trust issues? Because people said they'd do something, and they didn't do it. They made promises to us that they never kept, and so therefore it is risky and it is scary to believe somebody when they make a promise. And then when circumstances change and they have to change their mind, then that really makes it shaky. But Paul was reliable, and God's promises are reliable. So he was saying to them, well, if you don't believe me, which he goes on further in this letter to defend his ministry to him, that he has been faithful. But what he's saying here is, I mean, just forget about me. And look at Jesus. If there's any reason to believe God's promises, it's Jesus. Jesus is the person you want to be looking to to keep his word in your life. He is your source of security. He is the one to lean on. He is the one that is going to meet all your needs according to his riches. And so he's talking here about the reliability of Jesus. And he's also saying something of a way of a, I guess you might call a little bit of um not quite correction, but just, you know, some some sort of helping them mature in their relating by saying, you know, really the top priority that we should all have as disciples is not to say, well, I said that, I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I said it, but is to be willing to change course if the Holy Spirit asks us to do so or if we've missed him on the front end, because I know I have. Out of a good heart, out of a well-meaning heart, I've said, oh, why don't we go to lunch? And I haven't looked at my calendar. I hadn't asked Jesus. I hadn't prayed about it. I just think it's a good idea. It wasn't God's idea. You know, so uh, Paul is saying, and I've I've given you a verse to go with this because to me this is really important, Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, not what other people want us to be doing, but let's do what the Holy Spirit wants us to be doing. And so, um, you know, I think that there were insecurities because of past hurts or disappointments in the lives of these people. they There were also, as you, if you read on in that book and read commentators, false teachers that were out to get Paul and trying to discredit his ministry, and they were trying to get them back under the law and not into the grace that Paul was uh, preaching and teaching there among them. and um, And I think their culture was one that was just, I mean, probably— Probably not real different from our culture, y'all, in that, I don't know, I mean, just at large, I'm not saying within our church culture, but I'm just saying at large in our world, it's hard to know who to trust. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, sometimes it's hard to know who to believe, right? What is the truth? And so people are skeptics, people are um, doubters, and we can become that way. Uh, but we don't want that to bleed over into our relationship with the Lord because he is completely trustworthy. And so the point about knowing that he is the, proof, the greatest proof we have is that he sent his son. And so uh, Paul writes in Romans eight thirty two. this is the new living, is that since God did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I mean, why would he withhold something less than his son if he's already done that? So God is trustworthy. He does keep his word. And that's what Paul is trying to say to us here is that um, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And Jesus is our guarantee of that. And so what's our part in the promises as well as just give our yes and amen to the promises of God? And so I wanted to talk about what does that even mean? That all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And to that we add our amen. Well, amen is a word that's used a lot in the church. And what it means is so be it, or let it be as you've said. And I love it when there's a deep throated man in the back of this church that goes, Amen when somebody makes a good point from the front. We don't we Presbyterians don't do that as much as we did in my growing up church, but I just, oh, I just love it. In fact, I oftentimes will say a little bitty amen at my seat, not to draw attention to myself, but I'll be just going, amen, brother, you know, because it's, it's an a, a scent. It's a yes, that's right, that's true. Yes, Lord, make that true. Yes, Lord. That's amazing about you. It's just an, coming into agreement, lining up with what's being preached or prayed or sung. Um, so we want to we want to connect with the truth of God, and um, again, this is not just for. God's children at large, all of creation in some way is God's creation, but we who are in Christ, we're the ones that have the yes of Jesus, the ones of us who are in Christ. Paul's favorite phrase, I think, is in Christ. And so when we respond with our amen, what we're saying is we believe you, Lord, and we're going to lean on you. We're going to trust you to make this our experience. And what we're kind of doing is we're saying, I want a piece of that. I want a part of that. I buy into that. I'm connecting my faith to that. But we're also saying we're going to rely on you and count on you, Lord, to do what you said. Yes, our amen amen makes that a... Um, relational connecting point between us and God. Our amen makes it a faith step for us between us and God. It sort of is an activating point of us um, between us and God. And, and so Jesus said this, uh, talking about asking for something in Jesus' name, because what we're saying is we're asking this in Jesus' name, because in Jesus is the yes, yes, To all the promises. And then we're adding our amen of agreement or faith to it. And Jesus is saying basically, when you ask anything according to my will, that's what it means to ask in his name. So, John 14, 13, I like the way the message phrased this. It says, You can count on it. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You can count on it from now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing. I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Okay, so you hear that he's saying we're coming up under the authority of the Scriptures. We're coming up under the character of God and who the Word reveals him to be. And we're saying Lord, you are the one who's made this statement. You are the one who's given us this principle, and we want a piece of that action or we want to experience that part of who you are. We want to know you there as we've been talking about. and um, we want we' we're personally taking ownership in that. We're taking that risk and and moving toward him in that. And so what? I I, I I struggled with this next little thing that we're going to talk about is the conditions that go along with promises. Um, let me just say, I don't love that word, but what it basically means is that we're going to come into agreement with what the promise says. And I've got three examples that I think will explain this. But I think... One of the reasons God gives us promises, one of the reasons I think the the natural thing to do with a promise is to pray it back to God or to say it back to God. Let's take the prayer word out of it and just say it back to God. Because for some reason, prayer, when you say that word, it kind of makes it a deal, you know. But let's just say it back to God. Let's say, Lord, you said, and I believe you, and I really want to experience that. I want to put that to use in my life. I mean, every spiritual blessing, well, yeah, let me take some of those. And, and this is a particular one that's speaking to me right now and that I'm needing. And so let's look at three examples of this because what I think we're doing is, is we are, first of all, really what's true is leaning on God to not only make the promise, and keep the promise, but we're really leaning on God to keep the condition that's on our side and so think about the uh, again of Abraham, a very early example of this is Abraham when the covenant was made with Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, then they actually had that ceremony back in Genesis. God kept both sides of that covenant. And guess what? He keeps both sides of the covenant of grace that we're living under too. Jesus kept our part of the covenant by going to the cross and becoming sin on our behalf. So that's just the nature of our God. He is a covenant. He's a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper. He keeps both sides of the covenant, really, if you think about it. And so I think the purpose for there being uh, his part and our part is that thing of hammering out relationship. It is a meeting place for us. It's coming to the altar and saying, Lord, you know, here's my thing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just bringing it to you because I can't fix it. I can't figure it out. I can't, I don't know what to do. And so I'm bringing this to you and I need you to do something. I need you to be God here because I'm not. You know, and so, so God is, first of all, t- teaching us who he is. And second of all, he is through that process of extending faith and his promises developing faith in us. That's what pleases him is faith. Faith is nothing more than emotional trust that comes through the experience of walking these things out day after day, experience after experience, mm-hmm. promise after promise with the Lord leaning on him to do what he said he would do, leaning on him to be who he said he'd be. Okay, that's enough of the buildup. Let's talk about it. Um, strength for the blameless. This, I wanted to use one from the Old Testament. Okay, and it says here in Second Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Okay, so what is he saying I'll give? strong support who's he going to give it to the blameless who in here is blameless this is a trick question no everybody everybody in in Christ and here's and so here's your cheat sheet right here Ephesians 1 4 if you want another one just approve it Colossians 122. I mean, we could go on with verses. But in Ephesians 1, 4, I chose that one because we've looked at that passage already. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. See, there he goes, doing it both sides of him. So he is saying, I want to strongly support my blameless people. And who are they? Not the people who are human beings that get it perfect and keep the law to the t every time no i am saying those who i chose before the foundation of the world to be righteous in christ that as i see from heaven as holy and blameless that would be everybody in this room so see how we're leaning on in for both sides isn't that cool so we can you know so hopefully what I'm I, what I'm trying to do is make us jump in and take advantage of these 77,000 promises because they are an amazing way to walk through life. And so what is Jesus doing in our lives as we extend faith in this promise? Well, I believe first of all he Wants to demolish guilt, shame, accusation, condemnation, wrong identity, lies about who you are in Christ. Like, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, I'm a failure, I'm a backslider, I'm a whatever it is you think you are. Guess what? That's not true. He wants you to be secure in your identity as a blameless child of God. So that's one thing he's doing through that promise. And another thing he's doing that promise is saying, Oh, yeah, and by the way, it really does please me when your life. Is blameless. So are there some areas of your life where there's compromise, where I'm kind of feeling convicted about the way I just talked about that person or the way I just got angry at that person or the way I've held a grudge of, in my heart or whatever? Then, yeah, let's take that opportunity to say, Lord, yeah, I have done that. And just confess it to him and say, Lord, I I think there's higher ground for me there. I know there's higher ground for me there. I just confess that to you and ask you to cleanse and forgive me of all unrighteousness. So I'm back to blameless. Right? Okay, so that's one promise. That's our Old Testament example. Okay, here's one. Peace that is greater than our worries. And we're going to use a Paul one here. The promise in Philippians 6-7 from the New Living says, don't worry about anything. Okay, who in here has ever done that for more than 10 minutes? (laughs) I can't say that I have, but anyway. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So that's a pretty tall condition there, y'all, isn't it? So Paul goes on to write, let me give you the next two verses, because this, to me, is really helpful. The condition, and um, then we'll talk about how that looks in in our day-to-day. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So, what I think that is saying is this: is that don't go to your prayer closet in the morning, noon, or night. Whatever time you are doing this in carpool line, any of those are fine times to have a prayer time with the Lord and say, Lord. I'm worried about my child, and I need to pray with you. So here I am coming to you, trying not to worry about this, and I am making my request known to you. And I want to thank you that you hear my prayers. Okay, so, and you go through whatever it is that's on your heart. You leave that with the Lord, and then you go, I've got 10 minutes before the door's open. I'm going to pick up my phone, and I'm going to call my friend. And then what do you start doing? You start rehearsing the problem and tell them how awful it is. And then somebody clicks and you go, "Uh uh-oh, somebody's clicking in. Excuse me, I need to take this call. And then you start telling them, once they tell you what they came to tell you, how awful it is. And then when your child gets in the car, then you start, you know, nagging on them about the thing you're worried about. I think that's what Paul is saying here. It's not that the expectation is perfectly never worrying again. I think what he's saying is, let's be wise here, y'all. Let's come to God with our problem. Let's leave it here. And every time you catch yourself wanting to rehearse this problem, why don't you turn your thoughts to thanksgiving, what God's already done, something that's worthy of praise, something, you know, um, that 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 I've seen in the Bible that is a good practice. He's saying, whatever you've seen and heard in me, sometimes I'll go to what would Jesus do or what would my mentor do? What would they say right now? And find something a positive use of that energy. It may be singing, it may be praying, it may be cooking, beef stroking off. I don't know. But all I'm saying is what it's not doing is just nullifying everything you've done in your prayer life. So, and how do we do that? Well, we only can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, y'all. I can't do this in my flesh. My, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. And so that's that thing of, that's what it means, I think, to abide to pray without ceasing it's just to continually be turning your focus back to the lord whether you're doing something out loud or not whether you're doing making a concrete action or not it's just basically every time you're reminded of that problem turning your focus back on the lord and so that helps us in that very thing that we've been saying all year we want to do we want to be more and more fully present to the fact that god's right here with us well guess what engaging with this promise will help us to do that so, um, and what else does it do? It makes us more faith filled people or more faithful people. We're learning to walk by sight, not by sight, but by faith. It says later in the letter we're reading today is that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And promises are faithful. Fabulous, fabulous way to walk by faith. By applying God's specific word to your specific situation. Okay, who doesn't need wisdom? Everybody needs wisdom for everything. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible because it is so simple. It is so direct. I don't think you can I don't think you can make it anything else but what it is, but it's just a direct promise from God. In James one five it says um, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or a circumstance, this is the Amplified, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or a circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. So do you see that is it just a direct promise? If you ask for wisdom, God's going to give it to you. <clears throat> I mean, there's no water in there for me. I'm not seeing, there's nothing muddy in that, y'all. God promises. And I remember reading that as a very young disciple of the Lord and thinking, wow, that's pretty all-encompassing. I'm going to start doing that. So, y'all, I just started asking. And I'd say, James 1.5. I wouldn't even go through the whole verse. I'd just say, James five. James one five, God. James one five God. And you know what? I and here's the here's the kicker, and I'm gonna read you the condition after this, but what is very, very tempting to do when you do that. Okay, let's say, I mean, I Jesus knows James one five. You think? He knows what's there, he wrote it, you know. So I got a situation and I'm thinking, do I do fish or beef for dinner tonight? Y'all, seriously. The, I pray about something that silly. But if it helps you more, do I go to the nursing home or do I go to 24-7 help, 24-7 help for my parent? I mean, anything in between, all levels, Jesus is saying, if you ask me for wisdom, I will give it. So I started saying, Jesus, James five, And then something would come to my mind. It would be salmon. And I'd think, yeah, I can get that turned around in about 30 minutes. Just hit the oven button when you walk in the door, and we're good for dinner tonight. I mean, y'all, you may think that is crazy, but I'm going to tell you I have been living the last 30-plus years of my life on salmon or whatever, the my next right thing was from God. I'm just saying, you could spend the next 30 minutes thinking, is that even biblical to eat salmon? You know, is that even, you know, how many omega fatty acids do I have I eating this week? Or, salmon costs 10 99 a pound. Or, that was probably Satan trying to get me to spend too much money at the grocery store. Or... You can do that, and y'all, you know what? A lot of people do that. Or you can just walk in the grocery store and buy some salmon and cook it for supper and think, you know what? That was really good. Thank you, Jesus. You see my point? And I, I think we get hung up in the split second between James, 25, five, Jesus, and the next thing that comes to your mind. I would encourage you, there is trial and error in this, but the game changer, the life changer, the transforming part of walking with Jesus is when you sense, I've released faith. I have a thought come into my mind. I act on it and here we go. That guess what? It's just like these listening questions we do in class. You start realizing that, oh, I'm connected with the Holy Spirit. God God's speaking to me. God's giving me wisdom. I've never heard the word salmon out loud, okay? Heaven has not opened and the word salmon has not been. You know, blazing across the sky in clouds or anything like that. But I'm just saying God establishes our thoughts, it says in Proverbs 16. It says, he will, in Psalm 91, 90, he will affirm and confirm the work of your hands. There's, I mean, I could give you more Bible verses to go with that. But James 1.5 says, if you ask him for wisdom, he'll give it. So just go with it. And, yes, you will miss him every once in a while, and it's okay. Better to step out in faith and take the risk and learn this incredible lifestyle that Jesus can even help you plan your menu, much less your ministry, much less inform your parenting, much less your finances, much less your relational difficulties. It's way better to learn to step out in faith on these simple things. And then, no, wow, I leaned and he held me up. Amazing. So, here's what it says as the condition that James writes right after that in verses six through eight it says, He, so if any of you lacks, lacks wisdom, ask. Then he goes on to say, But the person who asks must ask for wisdom in faith. Without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. So, what is God trying to teach us to do through this promise? Listen, listen to him. He's just trying to teach us to listen to him and to test and see that he is a really good God. He's a good father and he will instruct us and teach us in the way he should go. He will counsel us with his eye upon us on 32 8 is another verse that goes with his promise. So, I mean, there's tons of promises we could give you to go with this one, but does that do y'all get what I'm saying to you? It's that don't get hung up in the super analyzing this stuff to death. Just just step out and see what happens. So I wanted to give you this verse. This is again, like so many of these promises, we are taking the nature of God and we are appropriating it, which is what we're about to do. Well, let me let me let me hold that for just a second. Um I'm going to hold that for just a second. Let's do our listening exercise. Um, So, Father, we just want to come to you right now. And, Lord, we just want to be still before you. And we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you empty our, uh, our mind of all the details, of all the clutter, of all the billowing winds and waves and doubts and questions and all that, Lord? Just we... We want to just be fully present before you now. And we really, really want to develop the habit of being still and listening to you. So, Lord, we want to do that now. And we want to ask you, uh, Lord, show us. Will you show us? Do we believe that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus? Just show us where we are with that, Lord. And, Lord, would you show us where we are on this business of believing your promises? Do we believe it in theory? Or, Lord, can we honestly say that we believe it and receive it for our own selves, for our own lives? Lord, we, um, we have lots of needs. We have emotional needs. We have financial needs. We have relational needs. We have spiritual needs. We have physical needs, Lord. And sometimes it's, it feels pretty scary and risky to ask and to step out into faith and uncertainty, Lord, mm-hmm. to step out not into sight but into faith. And so, Lord, I uh, just pray that you would show us um, where we are in terms of our willingness to do that, Lord. And I just pray that you would give us what we need to bring us closer to that step of faith that you ask of us. And then, Lord, we want to go back to the three promises that we just looked at. We, we saw that you promised strength for your people. You promised peace beyond understanding. And that you promised wisdom, Lord, just practical wisdom from above. Lord, would you show us, just let us choose one place of need. And just right now, in this quiet moment, Lord, we want to ask you, for one or all three of those things. And so we're just going to take a moment to each person do that personally. And Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. And... Lord, just help us to trust you, and Lord, remind us and open our eyes when, when you do fulfill the promise, when you keep the promise, Lord, help us to know it and rejoice in that and build our faith with it in Jesus' name. So, okay, I want to talk about that verse that's right before the listening. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, and it says, May the God of peace make you holy through and through. May you be kept in soul and mind and body in spotless integrity Until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is utterly faithful and he will finish what he has set out to do. So I want to that kind of be the backdrop of my final comments about this promises thing. Um, These promises, every so many of the promises in the Bible are made in a specific context. Like Let's take, you know, the world-famous promise that every young graduate gets, Jeremiah 29-11. Um, Nobody tell me. Do not give me a hint. We know this. It is the one that says, um, I will give you a future and a hope. Yeah, whatever that. Yeah, anyway, so that promise was made to a particular people at a particular time. We are not ignoring that fact, okay? But what we are doing is we are are taking the promise that he made that is revealed in the scriptures and looking at the heart of God toward his people. And we are appropriating that for our own lives because he's the same God to us and to our people that he was to Jeremiah and his people. And so... Paul writes about that, and I'm, let me give you this verse: Romans fifteen four from the Amplified says, "For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope, and overflow with confidence in His promises." So, what's Paul saying there? He's saying if he'll do it for Joshua, Moses, Jeremiah, David. Joseph, Abraham, he'll do it for you. He may not do it exactly like he did it for them. He may not do it in the timing he did it for them. But the same God interacts the same way with his people because that's who he is. And so that's why Paul can take all these Old Testament scriptures and write them into his letters and believe that we too can believe them. Does that make sense? And so I don't want anybody to get tripped up on, but wait a minute, he was writing to Jeremiah there. I know, and Paul knows. It's okay. We don't don't want to take a verse and just ram it into our uh, agenda. No, I'm not teaching you to do that. I don't want you to do that. But what I'm saying is, look at the character of God behind that verse. Look at the, what it teaches us about God, and then you can appropriate that. What does it mean to appropriate? It means to take for yourself, to take possession of or to seize. Well, we looked at Ephesians 1.3 that said, we said, we've said it almost every single week, Ephesians one three, Paul writing, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and he writes that huge Description of, of some of them, just a few of them, a few of them, many of them. And so what he's saying is we possess those because God is ours and we are his. And so we can participate and possess all that's ours in Christ. And so appropriating is basically taking something that's already yours and saying, I want to apply that to this specific purpose, just as you would take... Deposit out of the bank and say, I'm going to put that on my mortgage. It's very similar to that. It's in the bank. It's what Paul wrote. It's, it's already in your account in heaven. Draw upon it. Appropriate it. Apply it to your situation. And um, so, and I'm sure Paul, I know Paul. Was relying on the Holy Spirit as he wrote, because it said Peter writes in First uh, Peter that the Spirit was moving those who wrote the Scripture. So the Spirit is guiding his prayers; he's guiding his pen, just as we want the Spirit to guide us. As we said earlier, that um, that we would ask according to what he's already said, according to his will. Another great verse about that is John sixteen fourteen. and I've used J.B. Phillips here. He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me, for he will draw on my truth and reveal it to you. So when you open your Bible, or when you open your text to write a prayer back to somebody, or when you open your journal to write a prayer out to the Lord, just say, Holy Spirit, please remind me of all you've taught me. Holy Spirit, please bring to mind the thing that you would say to me or pray through me right now. And it's just like buying salmon at the grocery store. You just think, wisdom, of course, that's exactly what I need. I need wisdom. There's that great promise in James. We just looked at it. And, dear God, I just pray that you would. I mean, that's appropriating. God, I'm asking you for wisdom, James 1. Or I'm asking you for peace that is greater than my worries. Philippians four six and seven, so that's appropriating, and we can do this knowing that what Paul knew. Uh, I, I was studying and I didn't really write all this stuff down, but like I was thinking, he must have studied. As I have studied, probably my favorite um, part of Scripture is the is Moses and the wilderness account, and then Joshua and taking the land. That's like my ultimate favorite. And um, I think so often about Joshua saying at the end of his book, after 40 years in the wilderness, not one, not one of God's promises did he fail to keep. Not one. And how the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 6, that it's impossible for God to lie. God is perfectly faithful. In Numbers it says Paul must have read this and knew it. God is not a man So he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So Paul was firmly convicted of that, and we see him in a situation uh, in the book of Acts, toward the end of the book in Acts uh, 27, 25, where this is what he said. Paul says, take courage to the people that were with him on the boat that was being tossed about in a storm. He, Paul says, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he has said. So Paul knew that if God said it, it was going to be their experience. Didn't know how, didn't know when. He just knew it because he had faith in in God and who he was. He knew how to lean on the promises of God. Well, okay, I want to go back to that verse in 1 Thessalonians, and I want to tell you a little story about it. So um, this was back, it had to have been in the er, kind of mid-90s probably. I know so because my child was still in preschool. And I met around my dining room table on Friday mornings with these three other moms from preschool. And they wanted to do discipleship around the dining room table. And I just took the pages that I had on Tuesday and brought them to the table on Friday. And we just read and we prayed and we just talked about, isn't this great? God just deals with us according to his word. And we, you know, we're seeking to apply his word and everything. So we were all fired up about how we were starting to learn how to pray, and God was answering our prayers, and we'd come back saying, You're not gonna believe this. I prayed this and that. I said James 1.5, and he did that. And oh we were just oh we were just so wound up and excited about all that God was doing. And so one of the ladies um, came in and y'all, this is I mean, it's funny, with a cassette tape. Is anybody in here not know what a cassette tape is? Because some of you probably don't. But anyway she came in with a cassette tape. She went to a different church. I don't know if this lady had come to her church or somebody had just handed off this teaching to her. But she said, Kathy, you have got to listen to this. She plopped that down on the dining room table and I said, okay. So I yeah, I had a cassette player in my car. I don't know about y'all, but I had a cassette player in my car and I stuck that baby in when I was driving carpool and this lady came And she started talking about the very thing that we were talking about, which was, well... How do you expect to have a relationship with God if you don't pray and don't meet with him and if you don't journal and if you don't write down what he says and does? And, you know, we need to do this. And I'm just kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to do this. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, who is this person? She talks with a different accent. Who is she? Becky Tirabossi. Never heard of her. Well, anyway, so I kind of, I don't even, did we have the internet back then? I don't even remember if we did. I think we got a computer about that time, but I don't think I looked her up. I think I just did some research on Becky Terabasi, and I think I called my friend and said, hey, who is this chick, and, and why did you give me this? And she said, I just thought it was great. I thought you would love it, and I said, it is great, and I do love it. And so she said, well, I just thought, you know, you were saying you were on some committee at the church for the women, and I just thought I, don't know, I, just thought I was supposed to give it to you. And I said, well, okay. So I, I, th- I don't, y'all, this has been so long ago that I can't remember the exact details. But anyway, somehow I got this teaching in the hands of some of these people, and we, our women's ministry, y'all, at that time, let me just say, it was like 10 people that met maybe once a quarter, maybe once a month. It was very, basically what happened in women's ministry was, do you have an idea? That sounds great. Why don't you go do that? You need a room? You need a nursery? Okay, good. That will we check. We'll put that in the bulletin. That was kind of how women's ministry went in that day, and, um, wasn't a lot of organization, it was strictly volunteer, and so I think I may have passed off this uh, cassette tape to my people on that committee and just said, what do y'all think about this, and they were saying, yeah, this is great, and so, you know, I, y'all, I really think God put this call in my heart to bring this woman to Birmingham, and it was like, really? 'Cause I'm thinking I'm supposed to bring this woman to Birmingham and I found out she's out in California and I I don't know how I landed her phone number, but I landed her phone number, I get on the phone with her and say, Becky, this is Kathy. I wanted to ask you, would you come to Birmingham? And she goes, Well, Kathy you need to talk to my agent. And let me just tell you, I need a first-class plane ticket to Birmingham. I need a hotel room that has this, this, and this in it. And I need this kind of honorarium. And I need you, furthermore, to get this published in the newspaper if I'm going to come out there. And I'm going, I, I mean, that makes me her sound. But let me just say, this was my take on it. That was my take on that conversation. She was a super nice lady, great speaker. But I was kind of going, really? 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 Wow. Okay. Gosh. I mean, God, you're going to have to really want this woman in Birmingham because that's a lot. And I've got at least one preschooler and one in elementary or maybe two preschoolers at that time. I'm thinking, okay, Jesus. And so I come back and report to my people and say, this is what Becky Tiribasi from California says about coming to Birmingham. And they're kind of like, Kathy, I think we should pray. And these were people that are like 15 or 20 years older than me, and I'm going, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So we're in this little room that's up there on the uh, like that main floor where the sanctuary is. I don't even think that room's there anymore, but I can go there in my mind in this room. We just got our little folding chairs together, and we got in a little circle, and we started praying, and one of the women prayed that 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and 24. Faithful is he who has called you, and he will bring it to pass. Y'all, I had never heard that in my entire life. I had never heard that. And so when we finished praying, I went, what was that verse? And she said, was that a verse? What was that? And we found it. I looked it up, and I went, dang, if you're calling me to do this, God, you're going to bring it to pass? Okay. Okie dokie, then. What you need? Well, let me find out specifically. Okay, you need a plane ticket, you need a hotel, you need a, something in the Birmingham news. Okay, great. God, let's just see. I mean, if you want that woman to come here, if that's what you're calling me to do, then I'm just, would you bring those things to pass? Because she said that's what she's going to need to come. Y'all, I want you to know this is no lie. I called her back, and she said, well, first, what I did was, I I called the guy that was the religion editor at the Birmingham News. I actually got him on the phone. He's like, you're who? And I'm like, just this girl who wants to bring this lady. And um, he said, well, if I'm going and this was back in the day of the printed paper, you know, again, dating, dating, dating myself here, but um, – he told me, like, some kind of photographic specifications for the exact thing he needed to go in the paper. He said, I can't promise you now that I'm going to put this in the paper, but I've got to have that if there's a chance of it being in the paper. And I said, okay, okay, okay. So I call back over to California. I say, I need a blah, 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 a coat of chrome, something, 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 if you want this to be in the paper. I'll have my guy to get that to your guy, which I'm the guy, you know. And so anyway, I get, y'all, I don't know how I got this, but I remember I had some little slide projector that was in a suitcase. I got this little slide projector that had some kind of video of her, and I put on my former Eli Lilly and Company pharmaceutical sales outfit, and I get my little thing in a nice envelope, with a typed label on it with my photograph in it. And I go marching down to the Birmingham News, and I go to the reception desk and said, I'd like to see what's his name in the religion department. And so she, <laughs> she said, uh, do you have an appointment? I said, no. But he asked me for this, and I'm here to bring it to him. And so she said, let me call up there. And so he, she said, he wants to talk to you. And so I get on the phone, and he goes, I will put this in the paper if you will leave me alone. <laughs> and I said, deal. And so I never got to use my little video thing, but I passed out. Y'all, the day before Becky Terabossi came, and somebody paid for her, all that stuff, there was a below-the-fold color giant picture of her, and we had almost 300-something people that came to the church from all over Birmingham to hear this woman. And I'm just sitting there going, God, you really do bring to pass what you've called us to do. Y'all, this was so above my pay grade. This was so above and beyond my wildest dream. Talking about (laughs) greater than you could ever hope to ask or think. Talking about um, exceeding abundantly. Talking about, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard my can't imagine. And I'm just thinking, I I walked in that morning and the room was full and I just went, Oh my gosh, God, you did this. And y'all, at the end of the time, this is what she did. At the end of that, she had every single person bow their heads and pray in in a prayer time, and she said If any of you would feel led to make a commitment to make an appointment with God, to spend time with him every day for the rest of your life, I would like to ask you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed for you to stand now. And y'all, every single person in the room stood up. Can you believe that? God took that little act of faith of that girl bringing that tape, who put it in my hand, who took it to those women who sat down in that room and prayed with me, who told me that verse, and I extended my mustard seed of faith on that little verse, and God blew me away. I'm going to tell you, it's more often going to be grocery store stories. That's more often what it's going to be. But for the things that you think God is calling you to do, Believe him, y'all. Believe him. Because he is good. He is good, and he is good at doing things that are beyond you. And that is the perfect stage for him, to bring glory to himself, is to give you a call that is bigger than you. Nobody could have explained that on human terms. Nobody. God did that, and everybody knew it. And he got the glory for it. And every one of his people that attended that day came away with a heart that was convicted to spend more time with God. So that is what it looks like to lean on the promises of God. It can be so simple, y'all. It just doesn't have to be hard. I would encourage you to try it. I think you'll like it. Please let me know what he does. I want to know because it's going to be good. Okay, let's, let's close in prayer. And we'll write our one thing. Father, we just, um, we're in awe of who you are. You are such an amazing God. Lord, you just promise and promise and promise and promise and promise some more. You promised to send one who would save your people from their sins. You promised to send one who would release prisoners from darkness and turn beauty to ashes, turn ashes to beauty. You came, Lord, to... um, Release those who sit in prison from your bondages, Lord. You came to give us a double portion that we could know you um, and rejoice in our portion here in this world and that everlasting joy would be ours as well, Lord. You are amazing, Lord, and we just fall before you in our hearts in honor of who you are and father never let it be said of us that we would doubt a god like that never let it be said of us that we would think something's too big for you never let it be said of us lord that we would um, be too timid to extend our little faith and our little courage out there for a great big god like you i pray father that you would give us an infusion of your faith uh, as we hear your word and as we read your word and as we pray it back to you, Lord, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and that, Lord, we would be ones who would listen. Father, bless our ears as we do come to you for peace and for wisdom and for strength, Lord. Bless our hearts to believe. Bless us with uh, freedom from distraction, and, Father, help us to recognize the voice of the thief who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Father, help us to know, as you have promised that we will, that, um, that his sheep know his voice. So, Lord, help us to know your voice when you guide us. And, Lord, we just thank you so much that you're standing ready, tall, strong, unassailable with your love and your fullness to meet us wherever we are so that we can just lean into who you are and what you've said and that, Lord, um, that we can really be content because you're so perfect. Lord, teach us, as we continue this journey, to learn to lean and to learn to be content and to learn to trust you, Lord, because you are so incredibly trustworthy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.